When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast, MWR.com. That's our website. If you like the podcast and you somehow stumbled across instantly and like, what is this? Just hit the subscribe, follow, like, whatever you want, whatever you choose to, you know, it is, Matt, get the podcast directly to your face or your ears, I should say. That's more appropriate since it's audio media. Well, your, your ears are on your face, kind of, sort of. Fair. It's on your head, right? That's right. <laughs> So, yes, that's uh, talking about West football. Obviously, that's what we do here basically every week. And we're going to be back to more regular schedules. You promised last week, uh, Mother's Day. Got to, you know, I mean, got to take the time off for that. So today's Monday. We're recording this. And Matt set you set most of this up. Our staff voted power rankings, kind of going through each position group and ranking one through 12. And we have a consensus that, of course, nobody likes because internet likes nothing. So. We're going to try to defend and discuss and rationalize our picks from our staff and us individually, too. So, okay. So maybe to start this off then, you know, because the, the official title of this whole thought exercise is post-spring practice position depth rankings. Mm-hmm. So what I'm curious about, as someone else who voted on this, what kind of criteria did you set for yourself when you were determining sort of you know, who who you had higher up in the rankings versus those that you had lower? A couple things. I think historical um, consistency played a part, like Air Force running backs, Air Force offensive line, San Diego so like State. Presidents. Yeah, essentially. I, I, I not, wasn't my number one choice, but like, oh, who's going to be good at running the ball? Well, Air Force is almost always a top three, if not the best rushing team in the conference depending on which metrics you use. I'm like, even though they're replacing multiple like starters on there, like they have John Lee Eldridge coming back, but they lose other running backs, other players with uh, Jacoby Owens and others. It's like, okay, will they take a step back? Fine. Yeah. But they're probably still gonna be the best in the conference. So I do like a pass precedent for certain positions, specifically running backs, a big one offensive line wide receivers interesting within a conference just because it kind of goes to quarterback, obviously, but I, I go along those lines. Transfers are hard because I'm like, there are so many transfers now because it's great players can move, but it's hard to keep track. And so, like, who's come in? Like, we had last year Aiden Robbins from who K, I forget where he came from, but uh, that's right. He UNLV. came from Louisville, and he wasn't yeah, Louisville. when we did this thought exercise last year, he wasn't a part of it. Yeah. And now he's at BYU, like, guys who transfer. And I know there's an NIU running back coming to Wyoming, but Wyoming's had good success the past couple of years. With their depth for guys like Xavier Valade, you've had um, Titus Sweat, and then you have now 
uh, who is it? D, um, DQ James, who played quite well, like those couple of games. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, who's good? And then they'll get transfers that come in. It's like, okay, is this guy going to be good or not? Are they coming down a level? Are they coming up level? Is it a lateral move from competition from, like, say, the Mac or Sunbelt or lower level Big 12 or something? It's like, we, it's hard. To, that's hard to tell. It's like, okay, he, this guy had 600 yards rushing last year, was number two on the team, but he comes to a solid program in the Mountain West. Like, okay, well, how's he really going to fit? But so I kind of went with, like, who's tip? Here's my thought about it. If you're typically good at this one position for the past five plus years, you're probably going to be pretty good this year. So for me, that took a lot. Like quarterback position, it's interesting because who's like who's had I keep saying like too much. I apologize, people. Who's had good quarterbacks the past couple years? Boise State's had a handful, even though Hank Bachmeyer's been whatever, but historically they've had good ones. We've had Fresno State with uh Derek Carr, you've had and Jay Kaner last year. We've had not go to the other end. New Mexico plays anybody and everybody not very good. You had Nevada with Cody Fajardo, pretty good, but last year Nate Cox and others, Illinworth, not very good. Wyoming, historically, post Josh Allen, not really good. Utah State, Jordan Love, good. Cooper Legallo, good Bonner. So I kind of go in that route to where if you've been good, odds are you're probably still pretty good. That's what I, I lean toward a bit. And also returning production is a big deal as well. So what about you? What do you consider like – recruiting transfers past precedent and like what's your, yeah. what do you kind of look at? I like do kind think, of baseline. I do think that your point about the transfer portal is a very good one because, you know, even as we're recording, you know, there are still players coming into the conference that weren't accounted for when I was, you know, tallying the totals on all of the things that we did last week, you know, case in point, Fresno state just landed a four star wide receiver transfer from Boston college, uh, Jalen Gill, if, if, uh, uh, memory serves, uh, same thing with Colorado state. You know, I think one of the questions, which we'll talk about more in, in, in detail, maybe a little bit was, you know, we know the upside is there, but what about depth? Well, you know, they just picked up a wide receiver from SMU, Dylan Goffney. Uh, so there, there are still moves being made. And so I do think of this as more of a snapshot than anything with like, you know, admittedly a ton of lasting value. It's just to sort of generate conversation. And so when I was making decisions as far as who to rank where, I think the one thing I came, I kept coming back to was who do I think has more to prove at any given set of positions and who do I think has less to prove? Or, or so rather, do it. Uh, maybe alternatively, which which groups appear more stable and or have more apparent upside, in my opinion, versus those who have maybe a few more question marks that need to get resolved throughout ball camp. So I try not to think of it in terms of good and bad, because obviously until everybody's on the field, we're not going to know that. But, you know, to your point about, you know, benefit of the doubt, I think I was definitely with you that, you know, there were some... You know, particulars where you you kind of yeah like yeah you, know, you don't want to assume too much, but you do give them the benefit of the doubt that you know they'll find worthwhile replacements at those positions. Yeah, and it could be just for example, just a tiebreaker on some in some scenarios. Yeah. So it's so where do you want to start? What position do we want, do we want to start with? Let's give the people what they want. Let's start with quarterback. Heck yeah quarterbacks is definitely a lot. So there was, well, Chris Murray of Nevada Sports that put something out there, but he doesn't think quarterback plays is going to be that great this year. 
because a couple years ago it was really good. It took a dip, guys getting drafted like Carr, and they had Garrett, well, Garrett Grayson's way before then. But Pat, there's some good quarterbacks like the past couple years, but it's been hit or miss. I think there's hidden potential in this year, even though people from what I could tell reading our comments or reading what people have written about like what Chris Murray's done. I think it's not great on service, but I think there is plenty of, if you, I'm not even squinting, like if you kind of look at it a particular way, there could be good quarterbacks. Like for example, Clay Millen, who was the, uh, was one of the weirdest quarterback positions last year or quarterback players, because he, he's, I believe if you correct me if I'm wrong, he set the, some sort of record for, Completion percentage, right? Like seventy percent. Completion percentage, yes. Yeah, he had a lot of swing passes, but also Tory Horton going deep. Um, so he's like a weird spot. Like he could have potential if the offensive line gets better, right? Mm-hmm. So I am. He's not my number one quarterback, but he's a guy. If you look at it hard enough, with having the best receiver in the conference, there's an argument to be made. There's a, like this might be a long shot, but he could be. He's not my pick, but there's a, if you squint or look hard enough, he could be maybe the best quarterback in the conference with talent around him. Is that too far fetched? No, I don't think so. I think you know we saw the flashes, the potential. Like you know, I, what I think of in particular, I believe it was the third quarter of that Middle Tennessee State game, where you know they were down by a bunch by the time they finally got the offense going. But for those 15 mm-hmm. minutes you saw what Rams fans were hoping for. And you saw what like Jay Norvell was, was certainly hoping for. You know, the problem was, you know, as, as you know, we're going to talk about this ad nauseum, I'm sure throughout the offseason, but he took a lot of hits. And oh, then yeah. I think even, even, even more than that, which I think factors into these rankings, in my opinion, you know, when he missed a game or two in the middle of the year, Granted, you know, some of it, you know, you have to sort of take it with a grain of salt because the depth chart behind him last year was extremely young. You know, the and two other guys that freshman. started games were both freshmen as well. As, as, um, yeah. But, you know, the quarterback behind them, it was just like it, it was not pretty. They were not ready to, to play in that offense at that level. And so, you know, that's where that sort of, you know, there's definitely upside in a guy like Millen. But, you know, if he continues to take hits and and maybe misses time, you know, a week or two again, what is that offense going to look like? There's still a lot of question marks behind him. Mm-hmm. I think that he has the most upside of anybody in the conference to be the best quarterback. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw that that article that you mentioned that, that Murray wrote, and I don't know that I necessarily agree with it because I, I think I, that there are yeah. some situations where – you know, yeah, there's some turnover. Like, you know, Fresno State, of course, is, is having to replace Jake Hayner. Um, mm-hmm. Mikey Keene, the UCF transfer, and, you know, Logan Fife, who started four games for the Bulldogs last year, seem like the likeliest candidates, especially when you consider two other quarterbacks at the transfer portal shortly after a spring practice wrapped up. Um, you know, between them, you know, a situation like UNLV, where, you know, everything that we said about Clay Millen, to some extent, you can say the same things about Doug Brumfield. But I like also, his backup, Cameron Friel, just a little bit more right now. Yeah, that's also true. I'm looking at Murray's piece. Um, does he not know who Cooper Lagaz from Utah State? Because okay, so let's talk about let's talk about Utah State for a minute. Yeah, there's a lot going on, but here's what he says real quick because I, I vehemently disagree with this. Utah, and I know the Utah State season was very 
Jekyll and Hyde injuries and mm-hmm. whatnot, and lots of a lot of bad stuff going on. They finished strong, obviously. Utah State's quarterbacks threw 21 interceptions. I think six were in that Alabama game, I believe, or Weber State game, or maybe combined for both 10. And they said no last season and no and has no solidified options at a position entering the year. Garbage. Cooper Lega is a starter. Yeah, I thought Mike Anderson already said he was probably going to be the starter. It's the easiest call to make of anybody in the conference where there is a new starter coming in just about. Because is Logan Fife, he's, he's, is he starting for first now, or is there still potential may not be? No, there? it's still a competition between him and Keane. Okay. Okay. That's a little fairly interesting. But overall, like anybody who has a new starting, new new full-time starting quarterback, like that seems the most obvious, and he's pretty good. I know they have Levi Williams, but he's super gutsy and stuff, and he had to come in at some point. And they have Davenport. Is he even on the roster anymore? Because you're no, he's in the transfer, transfer portal. Okay, I forgot about that. It's uh, portal's huge. But I remember Levi Williams came in. He had the injury. Tried to like drag his way down the field, and one one game late in the year did did did, did as good as he could. But like Cooper guys, like he's the guy that's not even close. But that position, Utah State's offense was so weird last year. The whole team was because they get beat blown up at Weber State. No shame in getting beat beat your head in by Alabama. Just was not. They felt to be more competitive, which I did too. But they had that losing streak at the beginning. They shorted up at the end. But remember, these guys like running backs, Kevin Taylor Jr. Other players were just uh, receiving. I think a couple guys had transfer. Isn't Brian Cobb's a transfer portal? I believe. I believe. No, he's a, he he went to the pro ranks. Okay, I, there's. Uh, sorry, I apologize. For that. I was thinking. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. But it's a spot where they he. Okay, I'm good. I could say everybody's gonna be the best quarterback. Like Cooper Goss has been is pretty proven, almost more than. Not necessarily more than Clay Miller, but he's made big plays. And so I, yeah, I think he's, he's shown good. upside, but I think relative to some other yeah. quarterbacks that are in the sort of same mix, he's definitely been more erratic in his time as a starter. Which I think, think mostly so. comes down to just, you know, if he can cut down the turnovers, the Aggies are going to be in much better shape. Yeah, that's where 21 interceptions comes in. They weren't all his, but <laughs> it happens. So he has upside. Who else has upside? Doug Brumfield. I know you, you're basically in love with Doug Brumfield for what he can do when he plays. And he, they were six in the league. That seems way too low. Six. If he's healthy, if. which is, which, you know, he's been banged up a little bit over the past couple of years. And so mm-hmm. I think that that is a particular situation, at least on paper going into 2023, where that is sort of the one big concern that not a lot of other teams in the conference actually have right now. Like, you know, there are teams that have like open quarterback competitions, you know, like, you know, Air Force, of course, having to replace Hezzy Daniels, um, you know, Nevada with the competition between Illingworth and Brendan Lewis, Colorado transfer. A lot of other quarterback situations are set, but I think the Rebels in particular are the one that have the biggest sort of injury question mark. Like, I think if he stays healthy, there's no doubt that that offense can do things, but it got a lot shakier when he was sidelined last year. Oh, it's true. Yeah. They, he was the reason they like, when he's out there, he's good, obviously mm-hmm. very good when he's not playing. Like it was two years ago when he was there rotating with, uh, was Justin Rogers or still trying to figure things out. He's clearly the best guy. We'll see with Barry and Mary and go, go offense. What that comes to it with Barry Odom head coach, how they'll use him. So also, Interesting, Jalen Maiden, San Diego State quarterback. He's 
They were. I, I know why they're picked low because I assume most people are choosing past precedent as some sort of indicator. Because Aztecs quarterbacks typically, obviously, not we know are not amazing. They're not all that great, but he Maiden showed a lot of potential. It's a lot, that's what this. I think that could be the title of the quarterbacks. But, Mountains mm-hmm. quarterbacks potential. What do you got or something yeah. like those lines? Because he yeah, could be really, really good, really good. Like he, there's a chance. I know Jesse Matthews is gone. Um, who's it? Who's the other running quarter receiver? Terrell, uh, uh, Terrell Shavers. Uh, Terrell Shavers. I was gonna say Terrell Suggs. I'm like, I know that's not correct at all. I'm like Terrell Shavers. Like those guys are gone. But what he can do with his legs, and there's times he's thrown for well over 200 plus yards, which is not always the norm for Aztec quarterbacks. If they if Brady Hill could get something going there, the new OC they have in town, there's again there like there's we look at potential, San Diego State potential, UNLV potential, um, CSU Clay Miller potential. I am surprised Fresno's where they're at, but San Diego State like there's a chance if they could figure out the offense a little bit, which is a broken record you say every year the past fifteen years essentially when Ryan Lindley was around because he's their new OC, correct? Ryan Lindley, former quarterback. Yes. So he likes to throw the ball. So, put two and two together. They're probably going to throw the ball more than they have since almost, well, maybe not when he was there, but close to it, or he'll want to start trending that direction. And if Maiden can do what he did end of last year, where he showed some flashes and brilliances and just indicators that he could throw the ball pretty well, that could be another spot where they could be a top-four quarterback. Okay, so here's here's one more question for you, and then maybe we should move on. Um, because one thing that isn't really illustrated in the articles is the fact that, you know, at a glance, you know, the overall voiding, I, I, of course, you know, did point totals and then just ranked and then numbered them 1 through 12. But it did seem like there are sort of rough tiers at every position as far as like where the votes coalesced. So like at quarterback, for instance, it seems like the top two very obviously are Boise and San Jose State. And then you have another group of four or five, depending on how you want to cut it, um, from you know Utah State, Fresno, CSU, UNLV, SDSU. And then you have the, you know the bottom five, roughly Hawaii, Nevada, New Mexico, Wyoming, and Air Force. So let me ask you this: of those five teams at the bottom, which one do you think is most likely to most outperform expectations right now? Um, it's hard to quantify Air Force quarterback just because they don't like I said, the ball you, can, you, well. you can use whatever definition you want. I think the easy answer is Hawaii with Braid, Braid, and Traeger. Because re- here's why Return, returning quarterback, Timmy Chang in year two, he's returning, obviously, coming back for his next season head coach. Nevada, new quarterback. Honestly, how was I the only person to put New Mexico 12th at quarterback? Who put because this? Roger, you're, under, you're underestimating Dylan Roger. Hawkins. Hold on. Roger, did you put him at number four? I'm asking. Seriously, text me if you put him at number four. I, I am, think but... you're underestimating Dylan Hopkins. He was one of the better quarterbacks in Conference USA for two straight years. Yeah, Conference USA is terrible. He's the, He is honestly, like on paper, maybe the best quarterback New Mexico has had in at least a decade. I don't think that's a compliment you make, you're making out to be. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know, over I, the past two years, he's had a completion rate with the with UAB uh, above 60%, touchdown mm-hmm. interception rate, uh, you know, roughly three to one. 
and he's working with the same offensive coordinator that he worked with in Birmingham because Bryant Vincent is the new Lobos offensive coordinator. There, there. I'm, I'm kind of half kidding, but like typically, it's like it's been a revolving door, and I'm like, I have no trust with New Mexico quarterback. Maybe he I mean, I, more, I can understand where you're coming from, where you, where when you say they got to prove something to me, but I, I definitely think that they are not last because I think you, I think you and a lot of other people were underselling Hopkins a little bit. Probably, I would say out of those group, Hawaii, I think that's an easy choice <laughs> because of straight, straight, Brandon, Brandon Traeger's been there for a while. Nevada, they showed me nothing last year. Wyoming, it's just weird. Adrian Peasley, not great, but like there's, you always see a little bit. And then I'm our, very lukewarm. Just, so am I, because it's also Craig Bulls. Like, we're going to throw the ball. I'm like, no, you're not. Quit lying to us. <laughs> quit telling us, quit force feeding us carrots and telling us chocolate or something. Come on. It's not the case. Um, Air Force being last, it's just hard to upside. Uh, my answer is why. Is your answer to Mexico? I take it then. I would say so. Yeah, I think they. I think they. They did a really good job bringing in a quality quarterback through the portal. They, they, they could definitely be the case. Let's go to the top real quick. Is Boise the clear cut? Because I don't think it is, even though it's close. I, I no, I don't it, think it's clear cut because I had San Jose State number one. So did I. Shavon Cordero, like he's good. He's been there. He knows what's going on. Taylor Green. Could be, might be, potentials there because he's a freshman last year and started what eight games, I believe it was, after uh, Bachmar decided to transfer after the first month. But I will and, say, I will say that in my opinion, it's because I like the Spartans' depth right now just a touch more than I like the Broncos. Yeah, they're receiving because group they, and because what they, they have, have. You know, they have a, they have a backup in Walker Egan who's been in the system for a couple of years now. Uh, and they just brought in Jay Butterfield, the former Oregon quarterback, four star, former four star commit. You know, landed him from the transfer portal. You know, obviously both teams have a lot of unknowns behind Cordero and Green. Um, and I think, yeah, obviously the hope is that you know neither of those guys is going to miss time. But I do think, at least on paper, that the Spartans would probably be in a little bit better shape if they had to turn to their QB2, and that's what gave them the edge to me. Yeah, there, there's that. If you look at, back, like if you look at backup depth-wise overall, that's pretty good. I think Utah State has pretty good depth, even though I guess UNLV does as well because everybody's played, like Cam Friel has played a bit. Utah State has Levi Williams, Cooper Lega. Um Depth-wise, those couple might be up there near San Jose State, like if you had to go to QB2 mm-hmm. or 3. Uh, maybe Hawaii with Joe Yellen there a little bit, but... Yeah, I, I I think, but again, depth wise makes sense. But I think Cordero is potentially the better quarterback, just if it's him versus um, Taylor Green right there. Taylor Green might, could be better, pop, maybe, but right now, preseason, what I see Cordero I could be convinced either way. Yeah, I mean, so I just lean toward the guy who's done it more. So, <laughs> all right, what position next? We just go to running backs? Yeah, we do that. So, this one was pretty easy for me for number one because you. Are you? I've read some of your some of been busy, but you've asked a question at the bottom, like what's the best position group or your favorite position group that may or may not be your team. Um, like overall, I put Boise State running back as like maybe the most deep position. But also, you probably read my caveat if George Shalani can stay healthy, because <laughs> that's always the thing the past little bit, past couple years. When he's out there yeah, ready to I believe, go. 
I believe that was this, the consensus answer. Yeah, because Asha Gently, really, really good. George Lani, really good. And then obviously they run a bit with a tail and green can run too. Typically it could be Air Force, but with them losing players from last year, it's not clear cut because, yeah, John Lee Eldridge is returning, but Alfred's blind losing some guys, as we mentioned, to Portal, but it's tough to put in a book for who they have. The thing about the Broncos is, like, even the guys behind Halani and Genty are pretty pretty rock solid, too. Like, Tyler Crow, Caden Dudley, both of those guys, like, they, they didn't see nearly as much playing time as those top two, but, you know, they both, they both played really well. Like, they weren't, like, a, a net negative when they saw the field or anything like that. Yeah, their depth is crazy. And got teams, like, losing players, like, kind of going through, like, Fresno loses Jordan Mims, back-to-back top players leaving. Utah State losing Calvin Teller Jr., I do see potentially where was UNLV ranked here? They are put near the kind of near the bottom. Yeah, I, I think with, they, they were uh, eight, ninth, ninth overall. Yeah, so they had 39, 39 points, just one above Hawaii, New Mexico. I do think they have potential with the go-go offense to think what potential could be there. Because remember, yeah, with I mean, Calvin the- Turner from Hawaii, not Calvin Tyler, but I get him right, Calvin Turner Jr. He was, what, I'm using air quotes, running back with Hawaii, but he caught the ball, he returned the ball, he got the ball in a million different ways, whether a toss or a quick screen or actually downfield passing. If they could find a guy who could do something in that area, because that's what they want to do with that type of offense. I know right now, who is it? Jordan, Young Humphrey, and you got Andrew Wimmer and Courtney Reese back there. I'm not saying those guys will yeah. be amazing, but with a type of different type of scheme, I could see them popping up and being higher. Plus, remember that Charles Williams and Lexington Thomas, they've had good running backs in the past where they can run the ball. Well, I know it's a new coach, new scheme, but there's a few of these players hanging around who've been with that running attack, whether offensive line, other, otherwise kind of tangentially related to know that they have a good running game they've had in the past couple of years. So with this new offense, I think that could be a unit that could surprise people based on kind of scheme slash surprise and taking advantage of what talent they have. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem right now, in my opinion, is that like, all those guys you just mentioned, like, none of them have proven it yet. And ironically enough, the three the three names that you mentioned, Young Humphrey, Wimmer, and Courtney Reese, those are the mm-hmm. only three running backs on the roster right now. Oh, boy. Um, which is Which was the case, at least when we were doing this exercise. They have gone out and picked up, you know, at least one new player recently they picked up uh, uh donovan lester from william and mary um so it's not like they're they're not making the effort to shore up the ranks but that's one of those situations where there's a super amount of unknowns especially since you know guys who were competing for the job a number of them went into the portal spencer briggs samuel green um you know gary corals who you know was one of those guys who you know committed to UNLV in the winter and then bounced from UNLV in the spring. Not the only one in the conference, by the way. Um, you know, as well as Robbins, who's now at BYU, and then Javon Wilson. So there's still definitely a lot to sort out, and that's why I sort of hedged my bets, at least right now. Yeah, I'm you know, I definitely would too, but I think there's potential surprise. Um yeah. and I mean and I would also say the same is also true of Colorado State, but for very different reasons. What reasons do you have? Well, I mean, the main reason is that right now we don't know 
what Avery Morrow's status is going to be by the time the fall rolls around. You know, you have the arrest back in January. He's been suspended indefinitely. And so, you know, the the guys who were seeing the majority of the playing time in, in spring were, you know, relative unknowns. Keegan Holes, Van Scheid. And, and I should have mentioned, too, they, too, have hit the transfer portal to try to remedy that. They brought in North Dakota State running back Kobe Johnson. So, obviously, you know, the situation will be different by the time August rolls around. But I think both of those teams are in sort of that same situation where, yeah, they have the track record of of, of having, you know, solid to, to very good running backs. But right now, there's still a lot of up in the air. Very true. And also, going to pass president, San Diego State's number four. They haven't had a good running attack in the past, what, two since what, 2019, really, if we're being honest? It wasn't just, great last year. It was not. Aren't they just kind of a reputation? I mean, there may be something to that at this point, but I will say this. I think they're stacked at the position. And I think that, you know, if 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 a team like Boise has, you know, the most obvious, you know, returning production and, you know, a very high ceiling, in my opinion, you sort of, I sort of lump San Diego State and Air Force together where, um, you know, ob- obviously Air Force has the talent in, in Eldridge that has proven it. But I think to at least to some maybe lesser extent, you could say the same thing about some guys that that the Aztecs will have probably playing significant roles in the backfield. And I think particularly about Keenan Kristen, who you know transferred from USC last year, you know, didn't see a ton of playing time early in the year, but he flashed a lot of explosiveness down the stretch when he had the ball in his hands. You know, he had the the big touchdown catch and run and in the bowl game, if memory serves. And between him and Jalen Armstead, who's really sort of that big physical type running back, you know, J- Armstead is a guy who, if I'm not mistaken, has averaged over five yards uh, a carry in, in sort of limited time over the first couple of years of his career. So between those two, plus the guys that have behind him, uh, those two, you know, Cam Davis, you know, uh, uh, Lucky Avenger, there's a lot to like there if everything breaks right. I think, you know, what we saw last year, especially in the second half of the year, once, you know, they made the offensive coordinator switch, is the passing game really took off as the year progressed. Yeah. Struggled a little bit here with turnovers, but it was definitely a, a marked improvement as the year went on. Now it's the ground game's turn to get back to where it was. Maybe I'm overvalued because remember that Donald Pumphrey, all these guys were the conference player of the years. So maybe mm-hmm. the expectation is sky high. Because I'm looking through like CFB stats the past few minutes. You like this past year, 3.97 or 3.96 yards per play, seventh in the league. They are fourth at 21. 2020, they were fifth. 2019, do you want to guess where they were in yards per play running the ball in 2019? Weren't they like dead last? Basically, 3.41. So they've been a little bit better past couple years, but like if like in 2018 they weren't great. So it's been a while since they've been elite, but they haven't necessarily really been like maybe I'm overstating how bad because it could be partially Chance Bell, Greg Bell, all those injuries. Remember the short year Greg Bell they started off great, then he kind of faded off with injury in 2020. So it could be more mm-hmm. of a expecting they're gonna dominate. They've been just okay, and last year they weren't good at all. Last year the middle of the pack in most categories. So, but they haven't necessarily really been outright bad and maybe I was kind of overstating but 
it's a position where you think like, oh, there should be near the top of the conference more often than not. And so that's a spot where like, eh, maybe hopefully they're stacked. Like you said, they'll be there. Cause if that's the case, and if Jalen Maiden can run a little bit, like he's in, and probably and most likely throw more, like you mentioned with Lindley there, and could be a thing. San Jose so, okay, so, tired. Oh, oh, hold on. No, I, I just want to, I wanted to talk about the offensive line for a moment because I do mm-hmm. think that, you know, when you're talking about a ground game like San Diego State, you know, the, the running backs are one thing, but the offensive line is definitely another. So, like, it's important to to remember, and I'm sure I'll mention this during the team preview as well. The offensive line really scuffled a lot in some respects last year. Definitely. Um, you know, like, for example, just in terms of you know, overall stuff rate, which is just the, the, the rate at which opponents get into your backfield. Um, the Aztecs were 129th in the country. 25.2%. Of, of plays were stopped with, for zero or negative yardage, power success rate, you know, short yardage situations, moving the chains for either a first down or a touchdown, 128th in the country. You know, and just in terms of like average line yards per carry, which is sort of an adjusted, you know, rushing, you know, yards per carry metric, 126th, which is why it made it somewhat surprising to me that they came out fourth in the that's rankings. Higher. Where where did you? Where I did you I that? think right. I I put them a little closer to the middle of the pack personally. Me too. There's a fifth and a seventh place, but I don't recall where I put them. Maybe I put them fourth. But I do. But but I, and and especially because you know they they also lost Josh Simmons to the transfer portal, and he promptly ended up at Ohio State of all places. Um, so I do think that you know they obviously have you know a, a good deal of experience coming back. You know they still have guys like you know Brandon Crenshaw, Dixon, you know, Ross Ulugala Masauli. Um, so it's not like they're starting from scratch. Kate Bennett's one of the better interior linemen anywhere in the Mountain West. But there's just enough questions that I didn't think that you know their ability to be back in the trenches was so clear cut. Yeah, it, it could be a thing where, oh, the running game's usually pretty good. But yeah. I think middle of the pack, maybe fours, they're, they're almost three because Fresno was two two points ahead. Yeah. And Wyoming was nine points behind. So I know, I, I'm bad that one of the six people put them fourth, but maybe that was just kind of like, okay, you got Air Force, you got Boise. Wyoming's pretty good. Maybe I put them fifth because Wyoming, I think Wyoming's offensive line is always good because we mentioned – who do they sit get ready back? It doesn't matter the past two and a half seasons, past three years. Whoever Actually, I believe you had, you're the one who had them seventh. Wyoming? No, uh, San Diego or, State. Okay, maybe it was me. I don't recall. I'll stand by it because that's more aligned with what we were talking about. I I, I still don't have my vote in front of me, so maybe I did. If Okay, mm-hmm. let's say I did put them seventh. Maybe it was the case because I what I said early on, running game hasn't been up to my ex- expectations. So there, there you have it, Aztec fans. Send your hate mail to um, Matt K underscore FS on Twitter. <laughs> oh, come on now. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I had to throw that in there once. Um, if I was, I've that's, that's my reasoning for it because it's not living up to expectations. But I think middle of the pack is fair. They're finished fourth, so maybe I brought them down a little bit because if I put them any higher, they'd have been third. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're, it's, again, it's just all kind of been, eh. They've been just okay for running game and offensive line as well. So, any other running back? Um, I want to mention San Jose State. Do you have or do you have anything else that are running running backs to look at? No, you can mention San Jose State. Is Kyrie Robinson going to be the vein of, vein of my existence of yelling every week at the Spartans not winning because he has twelve carries for twenty two yards? 
he's definitely going to be one of the more important players anywhere in the conference, one way or another, especially since, you know, we mentioned, you know, a guy like Gary Quarles earlier, who, you know, came into the Mountain West and then probably left. Um, so did Isaiah Fats, you know, the former Mount, uh, Montana State running back, was with the Spartans in the spring, hit the transfer portal, immediately landed at Kappa. Yeah, which down the street. But yeah, he, he is very important. You're right, either way. Because again, when he did well last year, typically... It's dumb to say, That's oh, right. if this if this running back does well, you do well. But there's at some point you got to be at least okay because there can be yeah. running backs. So like just just remember, you don't you don't win when you run, you run when you win. Yeah, because if he were to go fit what eighteen for um what's a twenty for eighty, which is four hundred carries, pretty good, not amazing, but well above like it's good. If you were to do like that every game, that's fine. But when he goes forty four yards on few carries or a hundred plus yards on like his the sw- pendulum swinging back and forth is not good for their offense. If he mm. can at least be more consistent, obviously consistently better, that would be quite helpful for this team. Clearly, it makes sense to play a dub. Player plays well, your team plays well, but it's hard to navigate that when you, when you can't trust or rely on a running back when it's third and two and you need that one yard, but everybody knows you probably get a throw because nobody's biting on the play action because your running back is averaging one point six yards per carry this game on ten on ten attempts. So they need to have them more consistent. And that's how San Jose State, when we get to team previews and big stuff, like they're a team, what they have offensively with Shevon Cordero, potential with Kyrie Robinson, Justin Lockhart, wide receiver, Charles Ross. They have guys out there where they're a team, like, like they're going to be in contention for this upcoming season. Yeah, I would agree with that. Any other running back talk when you get to here? Uh, nothing that immediately comes to mind. All right, I'm where are we going? I'm getting your your oh. sense of uh of the pass catchers, wide receivers, and tight ends. Okay. Um, can we just say Tory Horton's the best receiver in a long time in the conference, and he should be preseason player of the year? That's a bold take. I want to be bold here. He is that okay. good. Like, I remember last year I was debating postseason. I took a closer look near the end, but. I, he was in contention for me to be literally the best player in the conference off on offense. If Clay no, Millen, I, I get it. Rams fans get it. Yay. Get on board. Join me. If Clay Millen improves in year two after with Jay Norvell and what we've we've seen, remember how long when Cody Fajardo took him what two seasons or Carson Strong, excuse me, not Cody Fajardo. Carson Strong, what two about two years to get going? To mm-hmm. really be an amazing chucking the ball to Romeo Dubs and everything, who's now catching passes from Aaron Rodgers, soon to be Jordan Love in a minute. That it potential could be there if Clay Millen improves throwing the ball downfield to Torrey Horton. He is mm-hmm. that good a receiver, and I'm glad he stayed. And like they have other guys, Justin Ross, Ross Simmons, who did well, Lewis Brown. They have other guys, Down Down Holker transferred from BYU. Huge get mm-hmm. for them. Because BYU's known at least the past year or two, really good tight ends. So their pass catching group. I am surprised. It's also a transfer thing, and I'm familiar with Holker probably more than others, just from my day job with BYU yeah. and teams. So I'm a little bit more familiar. And he transferred like early on. He was expected to be like the guy there for BYU, and he just for some reason, um, peace out, I'm gone. I would have thought that people. I don't know who put them tenth. Maybe was that an error on somebody? I don't want to call anybody out, but somebody put the Rams receiving group at number ten. That seems to be. Yeah, there's, there's always. I mean, there's outliers all over the place. I wouldn't think too much about no. it. No, 
No, it, it's just it, – well, when they're number two and they get a 10th place vote. Well, so did San Jose State. Fresno State got a ninth place vote. So it's you're correct. It's all over the place. So a, a vote here or there just for whatever reason. There's re- good reason to people put people wherever or voting. But I think when you look at the top-end talent, I don't think anybody's really that close. Boise State got number one. Stephen Cobbs is really good. And that was the thing of Boise last year. They lost Khalil Shakir. Stephen Cobbs comes in does fine. They got Riley Smith at tight end, Billy Bowen's there. But but there's like I want top end guys. Like looking throughout the whole league, Luke Woodsong, White Song of New Mexico, he'll be pretty good. But again, we don't know what's going on there. Yeah, yeah okay. But here's here's the thing about Boise. Like, yeah, the, the three names you mentioned. They're good. Why I think they're number one, it is about the names you depth. didn't mention. Aaron McAllister. Amount of depth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, a guy like McAllister, you know, came in, you know, very highly regarded as a recruit a couple of years ago. And, you know, down the stretch last year, you started to see you know, from the outside, oh, yeah, that's why he was so highly regarded. Um, but they don't, you know, they don't also, didn't, also didn't that's mention Latrell Caples, who was arguably the, the best wide receiver on the on the team down the stretch last year. Yeah. Um, you know, Billy Bowens is still around. And then, you know, further down the depth chart, you, they get a guy like Austin Bolt. Coming back from a season-ending injury, you know, he generated a lot of buzz, you know, throughout the offseason last year. And, you know, another true freshman, Prince Strachan, who apparently started turning some heads in this spring. So, you know, that right there is like six or seven guys who could reasonably contribute at least, you know, 10, 20 catches and make and make that offense uh, you know, a diverse one that's hard to stop. So what are we looking at here? What's your criteria? Do you want the best diverse offense you want the go-to guy who's a playmaker to score anytime he touches the ball and a deep threat a little i mean ideally a little both that was a remember that's the question we had last year boy shit they have no no go-to receiver there's they won guys like they won 10 games they didn't need it i know i'm just we're again we're talking but but again it's it's it was a situation where it was different guys stepping up at different points you know one one week it was Cobbs, and the other stretch it was capels you know eric McAllister would step in and have a big catch or two i hear you but we're looking at the best i don't know i feel if you have the it's depth there okay you want depth i want the guy who could who's going to go eight for 125 and three touchdowns occasionally and have a thousand yards receiving That's that's all I'm saying. It's all all with the playmakers. They got good guys. I'm not denying that at all. They're that's, these are the and, top. And that's, but that's the same reason why I think people were underselling UNLV here a little bit as well. At what position? A receiver. At wide receiver, tight end. Because yes, losing Kyle Williams is going to hurt. Mm-hmm. But I think if this if that group stays healthy, they have as much upside as anybody in the conference. And and I I, I include Doug Brumfeld, the quarterback, in that day. Yeah, it's because... an offense. We don't know. It could be really good. It could, it could be dynamic. It could be unique. It's going to be uh, something people haven't seen. Yeah, because Ricky White, of course, had the really hot, you know, September cool off a little bit down the stretch. You know, Jeff Weimer came in as you know top JUCO wide receiver. He was banged mm-hmm. up, missed a good chunk of the year. Seneca McKee stepped up. He had a you know big play every so often. And you know they brought in you know newer guys like Jacob De Jesus, another guy, another. Uh, uh, Juco uh, recruit from this recent recruiting class who had a big spring game for them. He could be like, you know, a significant player out of the slot for them. 
So it's an interesting group with a lot of upside. It's sort of that perfect blend of, you know, we saw just enough from this group last year, but it's also sort of balanced out by the fact that there's still, you know, at least a few questions about, you know, health concerns here and there and whether or not, you know, any one of them or collectively, will they be able to just take a step Mm -hmm. forward? Yeah, that's it. So it's like a, so, so like the optimism that you had about the running back situation, I have that same kind of optimism about okay. the pass catchers in Vegas. There could be because at offense, we've seen what they did at Hawaii. We've seen what – where was he before? At Pitt, right? Last year? Who, who was that? Was it Brett and Marion at Pitt last year? Or no, uh, sorry. Yeah, he was at Pitt before that, I believe. Yeah, Jordan Addison. Heard of him. Pretty good. That was before Pat Narducci decided to hate offense again. And despite them winning and crushing their opponents with, uh, who was it, uh, Katie Pickett throwing to Jordan Addison, winning the Blitnikoff? It's like, ah, I don't like offense, yeah, guys. It, it, it was here. okay, though, because he, he got to make a star out of Xavier Worthy in uh, in Austin instead. And, and Quinn Ewers as well. Like, they're quarterbacks. It's all together. The offense and being receivers coach, now OC. I, that's like, if we, maybe we should do an episode about, like, stuff, like, just excitable stuff. Like, I I cannot wait to see what you and can do this year offensively. It'll be I think there's potential to be exciting football. I would agree. So what else we got for running backs here? Uh, wait, not running backs. Sorry. Why don't you Uh Well, I mean, I don't care too much about because they don't throw the ball very well. Utah State, Troll Vonk and Micah Davis could be interesting a little bit, perhaps. But it's nice I to see know. Micah Davis back in the Mountain West. It is, yeah. It took a little, took a brief, brief a reprieve somewhere, right? Uh, sabbatical. Uh, Iowa, Iowa Western, I believe. Something like that. So I think there's maybe some potential there. Uh, San Jose State, obviously, I think is going to be up there too, just because the quarterback situation. Justin Lockhart really good. I mentioned Charles mm-hmm. Ross. So they lost. Uh, who transferred out? Or they graduate? Um, Cook was it Elijah Cooks here last year? Uh, yeah, uh, Cooks is in the NFL now. That's um, right. Yeah, I'm trying to think where he went. Uh, the names uh, Jermaine Braddock is, went to Portland ah. State. That's Isaiah right. Hamilton went to Washington State. Uh, Terrence Lovell went to the JUCO ranks. That's true. Uh, what about what are your thoughts on San Diego State losing their top two guys last year? Because we talked about them wanting to throw the ball more. Like they had Mackay Shaw back, Philippine Wesley, a couple other guys. It's I, I had a free more last. Yeah, I wonder if it's oh boy because it's a, because it's a wait and it's a wait and see situation for me. Yeah. They were put because I think you know the the one the known bottom, quantity yeah. that I feel pretty good is gonna is gonna be a rock solid mm-hmm. pass catcher for them is Makai Shaw had a that very strong like stretch run last year a very good November but other than that you know we have sort of hearsay of, of what they want to do but we don't know like what that's actually going to look like when they try to execute it. Like, you know, I believe it was Kirk Kenny of the, of the union tribune who mentioned that they want to have more two tight end sets. So, you know, Mark Redman is, is, is back and they have Cameron Harpole who's listed as the other tight end, which by the way, shout out to the Aztecs for being the one team in the mountain West to put out an actual post spring depth chart. Woohoo! Made my life a lot easier. It totally but, did. So, but beyond Shaw and Redmond, there's still a lot of uncertainty because we we've seen flashes of potential, for example, from a guy like Breon Penny. You know, yeah, had a big spring game last year. You know, had another strong spring this year. 
but you know hasn't had the playing time to really demonstrate it on the field yet. And and I have to imagine that he's going to get every opportunity to carve out a role for himself. Same with a guy like Josh Nicholson. Same with a guy like Raphael Williams, who comes in from the D two ranks. Um, so I mean, there there are some interesting pieces there. But right now, the Aztecs just carry a lot more uncertainty than I think a lot of other people thought. Exactly. I agree. So what about the Mexico last team here? Because you're high on the UAB guys coming in to be coaches and quarterbacks. Is there a potential for surprise there if things go at least somewhat to play? Because they, they were tied for 11th and not even close to anybody else receiver group them in Wyoming. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how many of the new transfer portal imports are, you know, bullseyes for them. Because, you know, you mentioned Luke Weissong earlier, you know, their leading receiver from last year. He's back, which is a good yeah, thing. So cool. is Deuce Jones. But I think there's the potential that most of the major contributors to this passing game are going to be newcomers. You know, DJ Washington uh, and Caleb Medford, both of which I believe were in from TCU. Jeremiah Hickson, um, you know, Ryan Davis, who like, uh, like Hopkins, the quarterback came in from UAB. So it's an interesting mix, but it's, it's the same kind of situation where, um, you know, the, the passing, it wasn't only the quarterbacks that struggled last year for the Lobos. And so much like I, much like I just said with the Aztecs, I'm sort of taking a wait and see mode of, of there's, there's upside here, same as there is on the Mesa. But I, I want, obviously, I'm going to need to see it on the field first. Yeah, it's going to, it, that's, yeah, it's, again, that's why maybe I put their quarterback in other positions lower at the bottom. I was kind of curious. Like, most mm-hmm. people were not high on them because unknown. And what do you want? Do you want potential? Do you want what we've seen? It's kind of, a, it's tricky to see what's going on for what you really, what's, to what, like, again, what's known or not known or what could be. So, it's not a bad spot for them to be on. They'll probably, I can see them overachieving, overachieving that 11 spot, I think. But I think it's uh, it's where it really needs to be. But I think there's potential there to maybe move up ahead of like maybe Air Force, possibly. So we need to talk defense now? No, are we good on offensive line, I guess? We kind of went through that with the running yeah, back Yeah, well, I mean, we talked a little bit about it. Okay, yeah, let's go to defense. What position group do you want to start there? Well, you know what? Let's start in the trenches. Let's start with the defensive line. Defensive line. So out of our group, we had not necessarily eh, sort of tiers, but the bottom three were way out there, like New Mexico, Nevada, Hawaii, near the bottom. The top three had Boise, good 10 points over Fresno, San Diego State pretty close. And after that kind of gap widens, like, well, I mean, CSU, Air Force, San Jose State, Utah State, and that's kind of the – and then big drop off to Utah State. I guess I could include, or excuse me, UNLV from Utah State. I could include the Rebels near the bottom. What is it that makes Boise near the top? Is it just because of what they have coming back, which is probably the case in most opinion? But also, again, their defense has kind of outshined their offense the past couple of years, either at worst the same or even better for the past, like I said, handful of years with the current coaching staff and going back to Brian Harson before. It's been, I think, it shouldn't be underrated from a group from us. We know what it is, but kind of nationally, it's like, oh, their defense, whatever. Oh, they have this guy, Leighton Vander. She's pretty good. Or Jail Skinner. They're not bad. But they're actually like, 
like I said, out doing their offense occasionally. And they have guys like you have uh, Ahmad Hush, 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 Ah, I can't speak today. I have a stuff he does at the moment. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh-huh. I, I'm done. Ahmed I'm It's like I bought a sneeze as I'm saying his name because I have a stuff he does. I'm like, I'm ah. They have him and Herbert, Herbert Gums, the guys there. And they've done it. That's part of the reason why they're that high. I think they're, they've been there and done that. And that's why four people put them first place. Like for what they could do, okay. stopping the run and going after QBs, I think they're deservingly to be near the top or at the top in this case. Okay. So to answer your original question, why do people put poison at the top? My official answer is I don't know. And this Ooh. is where you can imagine me pounding my desk with a shoe like Nikita Khrushchev. Because if I have one single conviction in this entire thought exercise is that my fellow writers at MWR.com criminally, criminally underrated Wyoming's defensive line. Three people put in first place. Not nearly enough. Not enough. What makes Wyoming the best, your opinion, the best defensive line? Yes. Give me the facts. They're losing Oluwaseo Matosho to Oregon State. It's a big loss. But they're bringing everybody else back. Easton Gibbs is amazing. They're, they're even, get, they're even getting contributors back this year. Like Devon Harris is still there. He was super productive last year. So was Braden Siders. Um, Cole Godbout, even despite being banged up pretty much all year long, also. Sorry, productive. I mentioned. I apologize. I was going down the list. I went down to. I went down the linebacker because I was scrolling straight up, not left, right. So those guys are linebackers. We'll get to you later. Apologies. Yeah. Um. And but I think that the, the important thing that maybe people overlooked is you know all those guys I just mentioned they're all back for 2023, and the Cowboys are getting a pair of defenders who were expected to contribute last year back from season-ending injuries as well. Sebastian Hart, Harsh, excuse me, and Keelan Cox. Like you're looking at a defensive line that is legitimately like a legit seven, eight deep, and in my opinion. You know, the, the the way that people talk about Boise State's running backs, we should be talking about Wyoming's defensive line in the exact same way. Is this why that that's, I very I very rarely feel you know, this strongly about true. things, but I feel very strongly about this. Sure, you're typically very level headed about this type of stuff, unlike me who goes wild projections here and there just to do something. But is this why that one website or Twitter put like Wyoming to potential win the conference with like six point three wins or something? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a big reason because they, they just need the offense to be functional at the defense, especially <laughs> on the line, can do its job. I think the one major question, which again, we'll probably talk about this more as we get into team previews later in the summer, but the one thing that Wyoming can have to work on is shoring up the run defense because they were much better at getting after the quarterback than they were at being disruptive in general. Yeah, because overall, just a real quick from my story, the yards per play, they were just okay at 5.35. So while the, you're right, like, well, they get the quarterback and they make plays that way, they still got to stop. You know, the point of football, Matt, to not allow them to get 10 yards in three plays mm-hmm. or four plays or fewer. Wyoming well, needs to do a better job of that because it could be third and 18. Well, they get the 19 yards. Sorry, guys. They kind of need to, uh, you know, not give up the yards. So get the quarterback and the running back. It's kind of a, uh, they go hand in hand to have your defense be elite, not just really good. And I do think to a certain lesser extent that people underrated Colorado State's defensive line a little bit too. Why is that? Because a Wood loss record wasn't great? 
I think it, I mean I think it got lost in the win loss record that the defense actually improved quite a bit over the course of the year, and you know while you know losing CJ Onyechi is going to hurt, you know Mohamed Kamara is still back. He is very clearly one of the more effective pass rushers anywhere in the conference. And, you know, one of the nice things about this thought exercise is that I got to learn a little bit more about guys that I definitely want to, like, take a closer look at or keep an eye on as, like, potential breakout candidates. And and one of those guys, I mean, maybe I should have been mentioning him earlier. Maybe I'll save him for the team previews. But in this particular case, I'll just give you a name to keep an eye on. Brady Kelly. Mm -hmm. Okay, Brady Kelly. All right, then. I would say... The one area they need to improve on. I know it's not a defense line, but they're running get attack. Defense defense needs to be better. Twenty four rushing touchdowns given up last year. They had three four games with three or more touchdowns allowed. Yeah, one was Michigan, but also Sacramento State. I know they're a very good SES team. Five to Boise State, three to Air Force. Mm-hmm. They gave up a lot of yards Utah State, like only one T D, but that was their I believe their second most yards allowed per game. They had four, a 5.14. They had mm-hmm. four games over five yards per carry allowed per game. So that needs to shore up. And maybe that will be the case. But that 24 touchdowns was allowed was second worst in the conference from last year. And so that needs to, if it's going to get those expectations you think could be, that's one area where they got to kind of like, well, maybe we should stop the run too. Don't let them get mm-hmm. two plays in the first down. So there, there's. Yeah, I mean, a lot I think to, I think in general, the defensive line. I honestly think it's like Wyoming and everybody else, because you know every. I think nearly every other team in the conference has at least like one big question mark that they're going to have to solve. You know, like in the case of you know teams like Fresno and Nevada, who I had at at, at two and twelve respectively. You know, the Bulldogs are are going to have to figure out how to replace David Prowlis's production. But Nevada's going to have to do the same thing with Don Peterson. Yeah, your favorite guy ever, Don Peterson. <laughs> he, he's, in the, he's an all-time great. He is. In Wolfpack history. Kidding. I'm just going to leave it at that. But, you know, same same thing with, like, San Jose State, who which has to replace two former defensive players of the year. Yep. Kate Hall and, 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 and San Diego State, you know, having to replace both Kashawn Banks and the Tavai brothers. Well, they do get Trey Smith back for the Spartans. That's helpful. Yes. He's really good. But, yeah, I think uh, you convinced me well. I mean, I should put the number one. I think I put them fourth for some reason. I don't know what I was thinking there. All right, linebacker. What do we have there? The ranking again puts Boise State number one by quite a large margin with 100 total points with guys like Demetri Washington, DJ Shram. Obviously, we know who's really, really, really good. Um do you have any contrarian views about that? Are they not your number one pick? Do you have some random team people aren't looking at that should be higher or number one? No, in this particular case, I did have Boise <laughs> number one. But as in four other people. I think DJ Schramm is really good. He's going to be obviously a potential player of the year on the defense side of the ball for what he did last year. I think that's a real possibility. And then you have no, like – I mean, I think just- in this case, you know, I think with linebacker in particular – even, and, and again, this is this is an area where there are still a number of teams undergoing a, a lot of turnover in there. But there were some really tough decisions made <laughs> up and down this. And I think that, you know, that sort of shows in the fact that, you know, yeah, Boise's number one, but they didn't necessarily run away with it like they did in, in some other respects. You know, a lot of other teams are sort of coalesced near the top. Like, you know, San Diego State, for example, was number two. 
And I think that's with good reason, because even if they're losing Caden McDonald, they still have his brother Cooper. They brought in Cody Moon from New Mexico. You know, they broke in, you know, Zaris Fiasau, who, you know, started, you know, most of the games in the second half of last season. So yeah, they're they're gonna have like, you know, new faces starting the majority of their games in that unit, but they're not starting from zero. You know, same thing with Air Force. You know, they're they're you know, the Falcons are losing both Vince Sanford and T D Blackman, but Bo Richter is still there. Probably gonna move from the inside to the outside and could be just as good as Sanford was. You know, they still have Alec Mock. They still have other guys who could step up and, and replace those guys. Um, you know, Fresno still has both Malachi Langley and Lavelle Bailey. Um, Wyoming, who you mentioned earlier, still has Easton Gibbs and Shea Suya Umoa and has guys who might be pushing him for playing time. If you if you want to believe, you know, the Casper Star Tribune in 7220 Sports, you know, Connor Shea had a big spring. Cole DeMarzo is still there. So even if there's a lot of you know, guys who are leaving the Mountain West for one reason or another. I would wager that linebacker might be the deepest overall position of any of the units that we're talking about. I can see that because we haven't touched an Air Force and people put them number three overall. Yeah. Like there, you're, well, I mean, there's a lot of guys like Air Force. Yeah. And and that's true. Even if, even if teams further, down the rankings, like, you know, New Mexico yeah. was, you know, sort of middle of the pack. I think they were eighth overall, if I'm not mistaken. But it, it's easy to overlook. They got hit hard by injuries last year. You know, uh, Ray, Ray uh, Lutelli missed time. Sayer Riley missed time. Alec Marenko had a season-ending injury. All three of those guys are back. Plus, they brought in guys from the Juco ranks. UNLV is getting Brennan Scott back. Um you know, Utah State still has both of their starters, at least, in MJ Tafisi and probably Max Alford. Um, you know, Nevada, you know, even Nevada at number 10 still has all of their linebackers back. You know, Naki Mateola, uh, I'm mispronounce that, I apologize, Matea Alona and Drew Watts. Um, it's so, so there's a lot, but and, and I, I would also say, because I do think that the linebacker or are the deepest units in the Mountain West. I also think it is the likeliest place where a lot of teams could outperform their standing here. Like even Colorado State, which you know comes in dead last year, um, is returning you know both Drew Kulik and Chase Wilson, who both got a lot of playing time in the second half of the year. So yeah, it's it's going to be tough to replace all of Dequan Jackson's and Cameron Carter's production. Definitely. But it also would not surprise me, given what you know their DC Freddie Banks was able to do last year, if the if both of those guys stepped up big time and it were at least solid contributors in their first full years as starters. Mm. This will be a fun group to watch. Like yes, Fresno has Hawaii, so it, like we'll see what goes. All right, secondary is that we're at next quarterbacks secondary. Yes. So I almost put Air Force too low because I forgot Cam B. Goff was returning. He is, um, what do we say, quite good at this position, right, Matt? Didn't he make, um, was he some, like, All-American list, like PFF, Honorable Mentor, something like that last year? I believe so, yeah. I mean, I think, honestly, like, right now, he and Trey Taylor are probably the best safety tandem in the Mountain West. That makes sense, yeah. And they, people put them, overall, we had them at, what, fourth? Fourth. And Air, yeah, fourth overall. A couple, a kind of a wide spectrum. We had second place third place, eighth and 10th place votes. So 
they're in the running to be the best because you take out like kind of the best and the worst, they would be probably a little bit higher. But same with UNLV, they did ninth place. Yeah, not a well, lot of separation but... from like two to six, though. Um, yeah, because two at eighty six, which was real quick. Fresno, UNLV seventy eight, Air Force seventy five. San Diego State 72, CSU 67. So that middle three, basically two or three through like six or seven or right, or six, I should say, are pretty close. Because San Jose mm-hmm. State, they've had hit, I, I wonder if I put number one. I may have been that guy. I don't recall. But they have like Trey Jenkins. If all these guys were turning their secondary's always been good in the past. Even when they're not good as a team, they were really good. I know it's it's fun to say, like, interesting to say, oh, they're passing games good because they're running game is so terrible. Yeah, they didn't give up many yards, but also like their yards per play allowed were always pretty good. So that's a unit where they're not as good as they used to be, but they're they're up there to be one of the best of the conference, even though the voting-wise put them. They're still in that range where they're pretty close to – they're more in the middle of the pack, but they have some good players out there. Like this <laughs> whole area, we watch like who could be good. Fresno State with Cam Lockridge. You have Carlton Johnson. They returned what? They ever heard the whole secondary? Is that am I correct on the, reading this right here, Matt? Carlton Johnson, Lockridge, yeah, Evan Williams transferred to Oregon. Oh, that's right, Oregon. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I I think I was missing one guy. Like that unit returns most of their guys, and why can't they be one of the best of the conference? They're number two. They're right mm-hmm. there, but they're like the. And this could go back to the quarterback thing. Is okay. Why aren't the quarterbacks as amazing? Even though I think there's potential. Well, secondary guys are making plays back there. Like when you see who getting interceptions, who's getting past breakup like uh utah state still has ike larson who has an awesome um taco time deal which i do maybe need to take the drive of logan to get his meal <laughs> see what it's all about logan fyi you talk about twitter but it's still a good 80 miles for me it's not like it's down the street just so you know i'm yeah. not that even though i, I was nearby you. i was nearby a week ago by enough time i was halfway there i'm like oh, i could go to the taco tab and logan and see what's going on but they have like they have great players like ike larson is one of the guys who was like I forget what stat it was last year, but they have like some absurd PBU record or PBU what best freshman in the conference last year or nationally for breakups. He had some ridiculous stat. I don't recall what it was, but he was an underrated player for sure all of last year for the Aggies, not just on the mm-hmm. team, but in general for the Mountain West. Yeah, I think the problem for the Aggies right now, though, is it's, it's Ike Larson and Michael Anyanwu, who's, you know, he's fine. And yeah. then question mark? <laughs> yeah i think not i think an interesting utah state is sort of an interest like we haven't really talked about the aggies on the aggregate and we may not get to it in this podcast but i think there are reasons to be optimistic about certain other areas on both offense and defense even despite the fact that they've been hit maybe harder than anybody by the transfer portal so far this offseason but I would not count the secondary in that group. I, I I think of the position groups on this team as currently constructed, the secondary to me is the most glaring red flag. For Utah State? Yes. Yeah, and I can see that. They really have good players. It's uh, Depth is a real thing. We need that. You want depth to overall make your, um, you know, make your team pretty good. You want to have those <clears> guys <throat> after your first, second guy. Um, what other secondary groups are you looking at that could be like, hey, they're they're gonna surprise or they're gonna be just really good, I guess. Yeah, either of those areas, which kind of encompasses the whole conference. 
I mean, I'm 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 interested in the one team that we haven't really mentioned a whole lot so far, and that's Hawaii. Okay, Cam Stone back there, yeah. Yeah, they they brought in Cam Stone from Wyoming to the transfer portal. They returned Peter Manuma, who was very quietly one of the better freshmen anywhere in the conference so far, and uh, in in, uh, in 2022. And they might be they might be a little bit deeper than you realize, especially if they can stay healthy. And that was that was sort of the rub for them last year, where you know, case in point, Mataki Thompson you know, emerged as, as a starter, as a true freshman at the start of the season. And I think he played like three or four games before he was out for the rest of the year with a season-ending injury. But, you know, if, if he's back, you know, they they have Riddle Edwards, who was a rock-solid cornerback. They brought in a couple pieces from the transfer portal, like Justin Prince, Justin Sinclair. Um, so that's a unit where, you know, on paper, it sort of flies under the radar right now. I think it came in dead last in our voting. But I have a I have a, a hunch that they're not going to finish last when all is said and done in December. So who's gonna finish last then? You want to divulge that information? Uh I haven't I have <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm not kidding. willing to make that prediction just yet. <laughs> okay. give, give me a couple months, I'll get back to you. And that's all good. All right, let's wrap up with special teams. All right. This just we didn't do returner, we did kicker and punter. Yeah. Um, do you need to mention your um, error on New Mexico before we begin? Yeah. My my <laughs> apologies to the uh, – oh, my God. How do you pronounce his name? Just uh, Luke D. Juzwicky? Juzwicky? Juzwicky, I believe that's how you pronounce it. My apologies to, to him and his family for – and this is <laughs> – <laughs> I'm, I'm like I'm, with tongue firmly in cheek. I'm blaming uh, Frank Pacagliano, the the SID. Oh, <laughs> and I say this because because I was I, I was pouring through the rosters on every single pay on every single team when I was looking at this. So they have three players listed as like a as as kickers, right? Yeah. But but um, you know, Jezwecki was listed as place kicker. Interesting. Okay. So it's listed as PK rather than K. They're too specific. So that's that, so good. that's my that's my excuse. I'm I'm, I'm okay. passing the buck. They're doing too good of a job of labeling players. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, what's always interesting about the specialist rankings in particular is like how do you weigh very different responsibilities? And and I think you know we mentioned very very briefly San Diego State. You know the Jack. Browning show number oh, one yeah. overall, um, but I think in general I'm, I'm interested to learn how do you measure, how do you weigh a good kicking game versus a good punting game if one is a weakness and one is a strength, and then on top of that, how do you weigh that against one person like Browning or like for Hawaii Matthew Shipley that handles both roles? Yeah, is it better or not as good? Well, how did how did you make those decisions? I'm trying to remember. I know you got also you got Brandon Taught in Nevada, who's just a kicking machine. I think I think it would default Browning because he's that good, and he got five mm-hmm. first place votes. It is hard. I think I would say you're a better football player if you could do more than one position. So if you're say a pass catching running back, or if you're a receiver who returns kicks, or a defensive back who returns punts. I think that gives you an edge over your counterparts. 
And so if you can do both, that's you gotta be you're a better athlete. So that kind of starts with and if you and you're good enough to do two positions. Not, there's guys who just kick the ball off. That's all they do. They're the kickoff guy. And maybe the deep field goal kicker if need be for like Hail Mary kicks from fifty plus yards. So I, I, I think it leans toward if you could do more than one position, you're a better football player and you got a better position group. However, to play the other side, that means well, maybe you don't have a backup anywhere. Your backup's not as good to take oh, take over one or one of those duties that you're okay. Because remember, they had even with the Matariza, he was a punter, but he also did random field goal kicking. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really just just for because he had the leg to kick those super long ones to attempt to make those long kicks. But I, and I like and it, had it, the willingness to attempt it too. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, why not? Let's give it a try. See what happens. I went that route. What was your path? Did you want more depth-wise, or were you like, whoever does the job well, the best, regardless if it's one or two guys? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I necessarily valued kicking over punting, per se. I think I tried to, in my head, like, you know, how do you how do you weigh someone? So, like, for example, you take a you know someone like Jonah Dalmas, who's obviously a very good kicker. Versus, um, you know, someone like Aaron Rodriguez for New Mexico is obviously maybe the best punter in the Mountain West. Okay, well, between those two teams, how do you between those two things? Like, how do you weigh those off each yeah. other? Yeah, right, like, cause cause you know, off off the top it, of your head, who would you say is better? I don't know. What do you want? Do you want, to, do you want the guy to score points or punch the ball away? Phillips the field. And, and right? to refresh, remember you had you had Boise State third and New Mexico sixth. Okay. Well, you had the wrong information in New Mexico, so that could change my vote, man. Yes, so, I know. I apologize. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's because it can be only weapons. Like if you if you punt a lot, is probably because your offense isn't very good. If you're kicking a lot of field goals, it could be the same thing. Oh, your offense stalls at the thirty yard line. I honestly would. Uh, I don't know. What do you? What would you prefer? If you're here's the thing, it depends. Is your team good or not? That's also the consideration. I probably prefer the better field goal kicker because if you have the better punter, I know it's it's like Ryan Stonehouse or Matt Rice for Sanders State was better than CSU during that time. Obviously, they've been much better for a while compared to the Rams. That's a real weapon when he's punting. If you have a good team and you punt, say three times a game, I don't know. Is that mm-hmm. considered a lot? Two, a couple times, like less, obviously less than five, like two, two or three is a. A good, I'm gonna kind of think that's a pretty good offense if you're only putting that a few times. So, do you want a guy who, who kicks the ball a couple times a game and just boots it deep and flips the field, or do you want a guy who crap, Rafael solves, we gotta score points? I kind of lean toward wanting points. Yeah, I get that. But it's because remember, I'm the offensive guy for people who don't recall. That's true. But I, I would, I just think, like, what's more valuable, points or flipping the field? I think you win by scoring points. I'd kind of put a slight edge toward the better field goal kicker. I can get behind that. It's a it's a conundrum. It's like it's pick your poison, not poison, but pick your. I don't know what. Do you want the? Uh, oh, I try to do a good analogy of food wise. I'll probably just butcher it, but uh, it's it's. I don't know. You just pick what you want. It's like if both are good, it's helpful, but one's a little bit better than the other one. And I think points is better because that's how you win football games. Gotcha. It's all in there. Anything else to add about special teams or anything else overall we need to get to? Because we're kind of exceeding our time limit here. Nah, I think we're pretty much all set on this. All right. So if you complain about a ranking, oh, first off, Matt, how many, like what's posted so far? Because you've been posting the 
composites of these kind of where are you at right now what people could expect or uh so there's a couple more i'm trying to knock out one per day so we're recording this on monday the 15th um so as of right now um you can read the rankings for the running backs pass catchers offensive line i just posted the defensive line today i believe linebackers and specialists so we still have the secondary quarterbacks and then the overall rankings okay look out for that and then i think next week are we gonna do our road trip next week is that a good plan thing to do since i just threw it out there yeah we could do that and then of course you know i would recommend as always keeping it locked to mw wire because we got more thought exercises like this coming down the line got another one gonna try and roll it out uh if i can get the other writers on board by the end of the month yeah, I got a couple too. I'm working on my schedule's finally slowing down for other stuff. So I'm going to do a few things I mentioned last week, like uh, going through FPI a bit more, SP plus, going to figure out where teams stand potentially. So we're, we'll get some stuff going on because we're literally like the, we're not looking back at last year, very little now. Going forward, we'll have just kind of, we might have like, a, I think your thought off, off your thought exercise, like best teams for the divisional era, we're still maybe. Not promising folks that could be out there. That could be something fun to look at. But there'll be some interesting stuff going out the next little bit as we kind of look at big picture stuff and kind of slowly move toward 2023 football season. Because media day is what, nine weeks away, if I'm correct on that? Four, Close enough. Eight, just over two months. We're getting there. So we'll see you next time. Check us out, mwr.com, Twitter, MWC Wire. And just a Hey, if you want us to talk about something, let us know and we'll figure it out and give you what you want. That's what we're, that's what we're here for. So we'll see you next week, everybody.